morning, saints. Oh, hey, I am on today. So we are good. We don't have to mess around with the, uh, with the mic today. Well, glad everybody can be here. Thank you, those that are visiting that are going to be here for the baptisms. Everybody that is being baptized is here today. So uh, that is a good thing. I'm glad you're all here today because that's what we're going to talk about today is baptism. And, uh, uh, and then at 2 o'clock, we're going we're gonna to dunk you. So for the parents of the, young, the two young ones that are getting baptized and the old guy that's getting baptized, if <laughs> anybody wants to uh, slip me and Dick some extra cash to hold them under a little bit longer, <laughs> we are accepting. <laughs> so it has to be cash because we don't want to claim it on our taxes. So, okay, well, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll begin. Father, we are grateful for this time that we can come into your presence and sing these praises, praises to you of how great you are, that you are the beautiful one, how marvelous and matchless is your love for us, Lord, and to know the truth that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the very same power that lives in us. Father, may we be your children who live with that reality that that power lives in us. It does not come and go, but it lives in us. Your spirit dwells in us, Father. So now I just come and ask that you would use your spirit, Father, to accompany the preaching of your word. Father, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. That, Father, if there's any in here that don't know you, that you would draw them to yourself today through the preaching of your word, that you alone would be glorified, that you would save today, Lord, that you would pierce the hearts of those that do not know you, and that you would draw them to you, that they would see the beauty of Christ and him crucified on the cross. So, Father, may you do this, that you would be glorified. In all this we pray, in your name, amen. So, baptism is our proclamation of what we do, right? We come to faith in Christ, and we get baptized. That is what the Bible says. But it's also identifying with Christ. We have this new identity now that we are Christians. Oftentimes, people will ask ourselves what we do, right? We identify with what we are. I would identify as being a barber or identify as being a hot lunchroom lady or identifying as being retired. We sometimes identify in those ways. Very often when somebody asks me, I don't identify as say, well, I'm a Christ follower, and I'm sure that a lot of us don't identify that way right off the bat right away when we meet somebody new and they ask us about ourselves, the first thing we say is what we do. But this is the truth of who we are if you are a believer. You are in Christ. You are a Christ follower. So I want to read something to you all that uh, I, I found pretty striking. This is what it says. I've searched for identity in my successes, 
but my failures get in the way. I've looked for identity in my possessions, but they age, break, and malfunction. I've sought identity in people, but everyone is flawed somehow. I've searched for identity in ministry, but the Spirit thwarted my pride. I've searched for identity in knowledge, but I never know enough. I've gotten my identity from my strength, but weakness took it away. I've taken identity from my abilities, but inability stole it from me. There is no place, no person, no experience, no success, no possession, no skill, no level of knowledge that can impart the security of identity, the rest of meaning and purpose that everyone desires so. I've quit looking out and begun looking up. In you, I am loved. I am forgiven. I have eternal value. I have meaning and purpose. I have security and rest. I have understanding. I have moral direction. I have self-knowledge. I have peace of heart. You are in me. I am in you. This bond is enough. This bond is life, and it cannot be broken. Brothers and sisters, that's who you are in Christ. This is who you are. You are loved. You are forgiven. You have eternal value. You have meaning and purpose. You have security and rest. You have understanding. You have moral direction. You have self-knowledge, and you have peace of heart. Why? Because your identity is in Christ. And through baptism, we get that identity is what we do because we are confessing that we are Christ's child. That is what. So what is baptism? What is it? Right? It's a, is it just purely dunking you under the water and bringing you back up? Well, kind of simply, that's what it looks like. But baptism, the word that we get in the New Testament is called baptizo. And this means to immerse. It means to fully submerged. It means to be completely submerged, going completely under. So this is, this is not a sprinkling. This is not that at all, but it is a total submersion, right? So what, do the Bible, what does the Bible first then tell us about the scriptures? So with you that are being baptized, with you that already are baptized, we understand one thing, right? We are doing what Jesus did. We are doing what Jesus did. We have to understand that Jesus never asks us to do anything that he never did. So when Jesus says to take up your cross and follow him, he means die to yourself and follow him. And we see in his life through the Gospels, this is the very thing he does. So when baptism comes and we are saying this is what Jesus tells us to do, which we'll look at in a few minutes, he is not telling us to do something that he did not already do. So we read this in Matthew three thirteen through 15. It says, And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, then he consented, or consented. So Jesus' baptism was an essential part of the righteousness that we get from him. So there's three aspects that we look at with Jesus' baptism. First of all, Jesus' baptism, it gives us a portrait of his death and resurrection, right? He goes down and he comes up. This is a portrait of his death and resurrection. It prefigures the significance of the believer's baptism in the same way. As believers, our baptism is the same way. We 
die with Christ and we are risen with him. We are identifying with him. And it shows that Jesus publicly is identifying with those whose sins he will die for. Now, Isaiah 53 tells us of these sins that he will die for. In verse 11, it says, Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So we see the great exchange here, right? We see the great exchange when Jesus dies for our sins, that he is the righteous one. And now we are accounted righteous because the righteous one has given us his righteousness. 1 Peter 3 puts it this way. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So in Jesus' baptism, we see that he is identifying with those whose sins he will die for. Secondly, Jesus' baptism shows that he is the Messiah, that he is the chosen one of God. He is the anointed one. And we get this from the voice that comes out of the cloud in Matthew 3.17. It says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so we see that we are doing exactly the same thing that Jesus did done and therefore we identify with Jesus. Now when we look at the baptisms in the New Testament, that word baptismal is everywhere. That's the word. It's a, a full submersion. And we have to understand that it is a full immersion. So John 3.23 says it this way. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because the water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized fully immersed. This is what they were doing. This is our word. The Ethiopian eunuch, the same thing. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. This is in Acts 8.38. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This word, baptismo, he fully immersed him. Jesus fully immersed. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. So the Bible does not say anything about sprinkling or infant baptism. Neither one. It is a full submersion. So if you sit here today and you were sprinkled as a baby or you were baptized in an infant, well, that might not count. Probably doesn't count. <laughs> the believer's baptism as a believer is a full immersion. Is a full immersion. So we have to understand that that's part of baptism. Also, we see that the act of baptism also followed faith in Christ. Also followed faith in Christ. And that's what we read in Acts 8.12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So there was the preaching of the gospel. People were saved. And then what happened? There was years that went by, and a test was given, and they failed the test, so they weren't baptized. No, that's not what happened. They believed what was preached, and then they were baptized. That's what happens. That's what we read. Then they were baptized. The Philippian jailer, let's look at his, in Acts 16, 
30 through 33. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once and all his family. So we see that baptism always follows faith in Jesus Christ. We see it in Acts. Peter preaches a sermon in Acts 2. They're pierced to the heart. And what does Peter say? He says, repent, believe, be baptized. And they were all baptized. 3,000 were added that day. And we'll see that a little bit later also with some of the passages. But we have to understand something. That baptism does not wash away sin. When you're going under and you're coming back up, that's not washing away sin. Because Dick and I would have to scrub and scrub and scrub because there's so much sin, right? That's what we have. What washes away sin? We, we sing the song, right? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what washes away our sin. So we have to understand that when you are baptized, you're not washing away your sin. You're being baptized. Why? Because your sin has already been washed away. You're not being baptized to be clean. You're being baptized because you're already made clean. This is identifying with Jesus and what he has done and what he has done alone. And that's what Ephesians 1, 7 says. In him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That's what we have. We are being baptized not to be washed away our sin, but because we are already clean. Also, baptism does not save you. Only Jesus saves you. Baptism does not save you. Only Jesus saves you. We can see this in Luke, right, with our friend the thief on the cross. Was he baptized? No, he wasn't baptized. But yet Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So we have to understand that baptism doesn't save you, but Jesus does. Again, we have to have a proper understanding that the reason that you are getting baptized is because you are saved. Because Jesus has saved you. That's why you get baptized. Not to be saved. And this we read in Acts chapter 4. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And there is salvation in no one else. No Buddha. No Confucius. No Allah. No. One name. Jesus, salvation, no one else, no priests, no popes, no, no one can save you. Only Jesus can save you. He is the only one that does this. And back up into Acts, you don't have this, Angela, but back up in Acts 16, 30 and 31, what we just read, the Philippian jailer, you see, he brought them out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Right? It's the same thing. Baptism doesn't save you. So the Philippian jailer is asking, what must I do to be saved? Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you see the conviction of your sin. Maybe you see that your sin is an offense against a holy God. And you ask, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to gain eternal life? What must I do? And what does Paul say to them? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
Notice he didn't say, hey, let's get baptized first. No, it's not that. Oh, we have to sprinkle you to get rid of original sin. No. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That's what he said. There is no acts, there's no works, there's no good deeds that any of us can do that will merit us salvation. The only thing that merits us salvation is us repenting of sin and coming to God. It doesn't merit us salvation, but it's the work of Christ that has done this for us. So then we ask the question, who is then to be baptized? Who is then to be baptized? So this is what I want the four of you to really concentrate on as I talk to you today, because this is directed at you four and for everybody here. Those who are to be baptized are those who have repented of their sin. They've repented of their sin. Now, what does repentance of sin mean, right? It's a turning away from your old life and following Christ. I've used this example up here before. Before Christ, you're walking this way. And then all of a sudden, you see your sin. And you repent of your sin. You don't keep going this way. You turn and you start following Christ. You turn and you start following Christ. So this is crucial. This is crucial. Have you repented of your sin? Have you turned from your sin and turned to Christ? Now this does not mean that you won't sin anymore. But it means that you have a new direction. It means that you have a sensitivity to your sin. It means you have a conviction of your sin. It means that you are coming to God and recognizing that sin and asking him to forgive you of that sin. That's what it is. It's a turning from your sin and turning to Christ. Secondly, who are to be baptized are those who are trusting in the person and work of Christ as Lord and Savior. Acts 2.41 says this, so those who received his word were baptized, and those were added that day about 3,000. Those who received his word, these are those who are trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. These are those who are trusting in the gospel. Now, you might be sitting here today and saying, well, what's the gospel? Well, the gospel is that Christ died for your sin. He didn't die for your neighbor's sin that you're sitting next to. He died for your sin. You shouldn't be sitting here today going, man, I am really glad that my family is here so they could hear this message. No, we need to be sitting here saying, I'm glad I'm here so that I'm hearing this message. The gospel is that Jesus Christ has died for your sin. He has taken your penalty. He has taken your condemnation. He has taken your wrath on the cross. That is what Jesus is doing. This is what he has done. He is taking that and he has erased it through his blood. This is trusting in his work. This is trusting in his person. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the son of God. He is the incarnate son of God. He is God in the flesh. You see, we needed God to be the one who died for our sin. This is what we needed. Understand your sin. Your sin, your one little sin, is an infinite sin because it's gone against an infinite God and it deserves infinite wrath. And there's nothing you can do to take that away. 
But Jesus comes, and he drinks the infinite wrath of God's, of the cup of God's wrath for you and I. This is what he does. We needed the infinite sacrifice. And this is what Jesus does. So, who is the one to be baptized? Those who put their trust in Jesus. Those who have repented of their sin. Those who God has drawn to him. Those who look at the cross and say, beautiful one, I love. Beautiful one, I adore. Those are the ones who should be baptized. Because that's who you are identifying with. Now, why should you be baptized? There's the question. Many reasons why not to be baptized, right? Well, because I don't want to be baptized. Well, because the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. So why do I have to be baptized? Well, maybe I don't want to be baptized because I was baptized as an infant or because I was sprinkled or because uh, I was raised not to be baptized or I don't want to be baptized because I might offend my friends or whatever, whatever your excuse is. I don't know what the excuses are, but there's plenty of excuses of why you're not being baptized, right? There are those, but why should you be baptized? Let's think of this one. Because Jesus commands you to be baptized. Let's put it plain and simple. Jesus commands you to be baptized. This is what he says in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So first of all, we see that Jesus at his resurrection, he comes and he's talking to the disciples, and he says what? All. Not partial, but all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. So he is the authority. And so he says this, Go therefore, make, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus commands baptism to be done. He commands the disciples to when they go, that they are to make disciples and baptize them. This is the command. So Jesus commands you and I that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, for us to identify and to be Christians, he commands us, be baptized. Be baptized. Is it an essential to salvation? No, it's not essential to salvation because we see that in the thief on the cross. But is it obedience to Jesus Christ? Yes. It's the first step of obedience to Jesus Christ. It's your first step, is to be baptized, to publicly confess him, to say, I belong to him. This is what it is. So Jesus commands us to be baptized. Secondly, the reason you should get baptized is because you are publicly confessing Jesus. That is it. Don't be embarrassed of Jesus. Don't be embarrassed of who he is. Right? The, the, the lionesses are not embarrassed of the lion. Why should we be embarrassed of the lion? We shouldn't be embarrassed of the lion. We should, when we come to faith, we should profess Christ. This should be the joy of our heart. Baptism should not be something that's begrudgingly done, but it should be something that we do not because our parents want to do it, or not because our family wants to do it, but because we want to do it, because we see the love and the grace and the mercy that was poured out for us on the cross. That's why we should be baptized. 
is because it's a profession of who Christ is in our lives. Listen to Acts 2, 37 and 38. And when they heard this, this, this is the gospel. Peter just preached the gospel to him. Listen to what the gospel did when he tells him that you crucified the son of God. You put him on that cross. This is what happened to him. They were cut to the heart. That's the people that were hearing the gospel. They were cut to the heart. That should be you and I, brothers and sisters. When we hear the gospel preached, when we hear that our sin put the Son of God on the cross and he died for your wrath, that should pierce you to the heart. That somebody came and took your wrath, that should pierce you to the heart. Because if he doesn't come and do it, then when you die, you experience that wrath forever that should pierce us to the heart they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do and Peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so Peter tells them to do what repent and make a public confession that you've repented in front of people this is what you do, right? Because what you're holding on to the king of kings and the lord of lords, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is why we get baptized. Bobby Jameson, he beautifully says it in his book on baptism. This is what happens. Declaring your faith will deepen your faith. This is what you do when you're baptized. You're declaring your faith. You take the first step of deepening your faith. So declaring your faith will deepen your faith. Confessing your faith will confirm your faith. And sharing your faith will strengthen your faith. Beautiful words, beautiful words. Baptism not only is a public confession, but it's a show of a commitment to the people of God. It shows that you are committed to the people of God. Now, understand one thing. When you are baptized, Barton said this many weeks ago, you are not baptized into a church. So when you are being baptized, you are not being baptized into Faith Bible Church, but you're being baptized into the church of God. Right? You're being baptized into the church. You are part of the church. But like I said, baptism doesn't mean that you're not part of the church. Christ has saved you. That's why you're in the church. But baptism shows a commitment to the people of God. That's what it does. So after these people were baptized in Acts 2, they were saved, they were baptized, what happened to their hearts? Listen to Acts 2, 42 and onward. And they devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves to? To the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the word of God. They read their Bibles. They sat under the preaching of God's word. This is what they were devoted to. They were devoted to fellowship, to enjoying one another, right? They were devoted to the, the, the new commandment, to love one another. That's what they were devoted to, to this fellowshipping with each other. They were devoted to breaking a bread, to sharing a meal with each other, to the communion where we celebrate the Lord's death for us. They were devoted to that. They were devoted to prayers for praying for each other, lifting each other up in prayer. This is what they were devoted to. 
And listen to what it says. And awe came upon every soul. Look at that word, awe. Wow, what a word that Luke uses. And awe came upon their souls. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as had need. The love and commitment to each other was shown. Now this love and commitment is shown in two different ways. It's shown within the local, <coughs> within the local body and it's shown in the body universal. Right? You are in the body universal when Jesus saves you. This is a thing. So baptism then tells us five things. This is what baptism tells us. One, you have a new identity. We now never have to struggle with the thoughts of who am I? Right? That's a struggle among young kids nowadays. Who am I? What gender am I? Right? No. God tells you who you are. It's very clear in the scriptures of who you are. You never have to struggle with that identity. You know who you are because God says who you are. You are in Christ. How precious, how precious, dear child of God, is that? That you are in Christ. We read it all through the New Testament. Paul uses that. It's his favorite term. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. We're not outside of Christ anymore, but we're in Christ. Please never get used to any of this stuff. Never get used to saying, oh yeah, I know, I'm in Christ. Don't get used to that. But you have a new identity. You have a new direction. You've repented of your sin. You're coming to Christ. You're identifying with Christ. Christ gives you a new direction to walk. He gives you a new direction to walk. Listen to Romans 6, 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death. And in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, here it is, might walk in newness of life. You have a newness of life. You have a new testimony. It is no longer about us. Wow, how freeing is that, that it's no longer about us? But it's about the one who has saved you, the one who has called you to himself the one who you are identifying with, the one you profess in baptism. It's all about him and him alone. That's what we've seen, right? We've seen over the last nine weeks that it's all about Jesus, right? It's grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, to God be the glory alone. This is your salvation. When you are being baptized, this is your baptism. It's not about you. It's about Christ. It's about professing him. It's about acknowledging that you believe that he died and he rose again. And you're identifying with that. It's about him and him alone. To God be the glory alone. It's a new relationship with God. That we are no longer enemies of God. And if you don't believe you weren't an enemy of God, just read Romans 5. Verse 10 says, you were an enemy of God. Oh, but hold on. I've always loved God. I was raised in a Christian home. God was always present. I've always been saved. No, you haven't. You were an enemy of God. And if you sit here today 
in this room and you are unrepentant and you are not a believer in Christ, then you know what you are? You are an enemy of God. And I got news for you. He's got bigger guns than you. And you won't win. But being in Christ, you have a new relationship. You are not an enemy of his. You are no longer an enemy, but you are a child. That's what Romans 8 tells us, that we are children. And if children, then we are heirs. We are heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ. This is your new standing. You have a new relationship with God. You have a new walk. And that walk is a walk of obedience to who Jesus is. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is your calling. This is your calling now, dear Christian. This is your calling now, brothers and sisters. This is how we are to walk, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, and bearing with one another in love. This is our new calling. So you have five things. You have a new identity, a new direction, a new testimony, a new relationship, and a new walk. This is what you are professing when you are being baptized today, that you are holding to that truth. So to close, we have to understand that baptism is the first step in obedience to Christ. As we come to baptism today, may those of us be encouraged by those who are professing Christ as their Lord, and we also be encouraged by knowing that we never have to struggle with who we are. You and I are God's children, those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and we are heirs with Christ. So today, may you and I rejoice in our Savior. Rejoice with those who are getting baptized. Come. Come to the baptism. Rejoice as you hear these four people publicly proclaim with their own voices that Jesus is their Lord. Come and rejoice in that fact. And may we remember that we once were those who did that same proclamation if you are baptized today. So may Christ today be your joy. May he be your ultimate satisfaction. And may he be your savior today and not your judge if you are unrepentant. Please come to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time and your word. Lord, thank you for this precious, precious display of baptism. Father, that we get to do the exact same thing that our Savior did. Father, I just thank you that Christ has came. He has died for our sins. He was buried. He rose three days later. And now he has ascended and he sits at your right hand, Father, as he intercedes for all believers. Father, may you work in the hearts of not only those who have been baptized, but those who are being baptized. May we truly baptize them, but yet, Lord, may we not leave them to themselves, but may we be those who teach them and grow them, that they may see how precious their Savior is, that they would truly sing, Lord, beautiful one I love, beautiful one I adore. May Christ be so lovely to all of us, Lord, in your name.